Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, cool conversations with creatives. We got back on Facebook. Sometimes live doesn't work, but we are here. I am AKA Radio Red, here with two really, really, really smart, creative, and interesting and beautiful guests. I'll tell you about them in a second, but just let me tell you, as the gentleman said, this is where I talk to creatives. We'll spend an hour chatting. It's a free fall. It's not scripted. We're not reading slides. It's not a webinar. We promise we're not going to bore you, that's for sure. So I hope everybody is having a great week, and I hope we are going to help you start Monday off with a good kind of a bang. It is Monday, the 28th of June. It's the 179th day of the Gregorian calendar. Thank you and shout out to Greg Gregory or Grego, whatever your mother called you. There are 186 days left in 2021, and in case anybody's interested besides me, this is the 26th Monday in 2021. Woohoo! I want to introduce my guests, and I'm going to have them, as soon as I say your name, say hello, and then we're going to do our, our shout out to our friend here. So Melanie Lentz, say hello. Hello, hello. There she is. I'll tell you about her in a second. And Dr. Franchelle Hamilton, wave hi. Hi. Okay, ladies, I have a big homework assignment for you right here on the show. I'm going to count to three, and we're going to say, hello, LLL, and I'll tell you who that is. So one, two, three. Hello, Hello, LLL. Three L's. We'll do it again. Hello, LLL. Now we got about eight L's. She's lovely, lanky. Laura Legs, our most loyal listener, and she lives in Whitestone, which doesn't start with an L. And I've been trying to get up a fake ghost fund me for about three years now because we need to move her to London. So it'll be lovely, lanky Laura Legs in London. There you go. It's just one of those things I talk about. Laura loves to listen to the show, and every night at Eastern Time, about 8.01, she emails me and tells me the takeaways she gets from my guests. She'll actually give me a little book report on everything you ladies talk about and tell me how much she loved listening to you. So there. So that's for Laura. So now let's go around the table. Melanie Lentz, you're up first. Let me just read a little bit from the bio you sent me. Melanie, at age 22, was one of the youngest ever, ever, ever female U.S. Secret Service agents. That's enough to get you on the show altogether. And she is the author of a book called Agent Innocent. I like that. Is it a play on Age of Innocence, I think? A little bit, a little bit. A little bit, okay. How the Secret Service Changed My Life. That's what she wrote in 2019. And she also has a book, Advanced Work, a Personal Protection Assignment Seven-Day Workbook. I don't have that one, but I'd love for you to send it to me. I'm turning my phone off. That's this year. And Melanie says, protecting others showed her how to protect herself inside out. So, Melanie, welcome. And my other guest is Dr. Franchelle Hamilton. She's got so many letters after her name. I need an alphabet to decode them. M-D-F-A-C-S-F-A-S-M-B-S-F-O-M-A. I know I have doctors in my family, and I know how hard you work for those degrees. So congratulations. She is the founder of A Better Way, W-E-I-G-H Center, and the Four Pillars of Transformation Weight Loss and Wellness System. And her mission, her goal is to address the diseases of, and she said disease, of obesity, its root cause, which could be a disease in itself, and methods to prevent recurrence. And Dr. Hamilton, I'm going to be very formal with her at her request. She's the author of Transformation is a Mindset. That's the important takeaway, the journey to changing your input 
and your world. So welcome, everybody, and I'm delighted to have you both. Uh, Disclaimer, I met both of these ladies earlier this year at one of the National Publicity Summits. It was virtual. It's been virtual for since COVID, since uh, early 2020. I used to attend those in New York in person when I was in New York. I'm in North Carolina now, and I really enjoyed meeting both of you. So Melanie Lance, I'm going to put you on full screen speaker view for a couple minutes here. Why don't you give us the real story of who you are and what possessed you at 22 to want to be a Secret <laughs> Service agent? Seriously. Melanie, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to the next hour. We'll have a good time. Um, yeah, I was not one of those little girls that wanted to be a Secret Service agent from a young age. I actually started college as a music major, so a different creative outlet. I changed that like a bad habit and studied exercise science. And after college, I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up, so why not go get your master's and figure it out? So it was during that time I was getting my master's that I applied to be a Secret Service agent. And it wasn't because I thought of it. It was my grandpa, of all people. Uh, He had his best buddy's daughter was a Secret Service agent. He had all kinds of cool stories. So I applied because he said, hey, you were a college athlete. You were a good student. You might be good at this job. I never thought I'd hear from them. I really thought... I mean, who wouldn't want to be a Secret Service agent? It's a it's a cool job. I get the aviators. I get to look cool. And why not, you know? But they called me, um, and over a period of about six months, I started passing the little elements of the application process. And that fateful day in June, I got a call saying uh, from the Los Angeles field office, one of the bosses there, and he said, we have a job here in Los Angeles. Do you want it? And, you know, big gulp. My life changed <laughs> dramatically for the next 10 years. Wow. And and was there anything in your grandpa's message to you, Melanie, or anything in the family that said, yeah, we want you to be one of the first and one of the youngest. We want to break some barriers here. Was that it? Or was it just, hey, you know, I think I could do it. Was there any, any let me call it a bigger social purpose to your doing it? No, it was just him saying, hey, you know, you might be good at this job. And I met the bare minimum requirements. I, you had to be 21 with a college degree or equivalent experience, like the military or law enforcement. And I had a college degree and I was barely 22 years old when I filled out that application. <laughs> Wow. And we're going to talk about some of your experiences. I know in the beginning of your book, you talk about how you were guarding a certain very famous first lady and you were there the day that they brought her coffin to be processed after she had passed away. And you said you got to know her more in her death than you did in her life. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. It was it was almost like reading a, uh, a spy novel. <laughs> and I watch a lot of British detective TV and I said, boy, this is going to be a good one. So thank you. Thank you very much. You're a very good writer, by the way, Melanie. Thank in, you. In my humble opinion, I read probably a couple hundred books a year for this show. And I was impressed with the clarity, your focus, your language. It was just easy to read. And, and we were there. I was there with you during all of your training sessions and all of the strange things you talk a little Well, we'll talk a little about the, the grapevine and who they thought you were, what with whom, and all that good stuff. So, yes, a little bit like a boys will be. Let's go. Thank you very much, Dr. <laughs> Franchelle. My pleasure. Dr. Franchelle Hamilton, so delighted to have you here. You have such a serious topic, but you've had an interesting life, too. You you weren't always on the woo, straight and narrow, uh, good girl. So I read read your book. Uh, I read your ebook, and I thank you for sending it. Very well done as well. Very Thank you. You, you get to the, to the guts of what your mission is, what your goal, but you make it very personal 
and it makes sense the way you do it. So why don't you fill in the blanks and give us more of your background, Dr. Hamilton? You're on speaker view. Go ahead. Yeah. So I uh, grew up as a pretty defiant teenager. I tried probably everything under the sun that you're not supposed to try. I ended up getting in multiple fights and getting in and out of jail during my high school years and actually got kicked out of high school. So most people don't know this. It's in my book, but I actually did not graduate from your standard high school. And it was there kind of when I was studying for what they said would be my GED that I knew I was smarter than that. And I knew I was better than that and kind of asked myself, how did I end up here? And it was at that point that I just was like, give me all the work that I need to kind of be done or considered done with high school. And I did that and then took baby steps to kind of get back to where I was after getting in trouble so much and people not believing in me. And I went to uh, associates, you know, I didn't go to a big college right away. I went to uh, one near the house and then I ended up getting into university, made all A's there, honors, and then just kind of kept moving my way up. And so found myself, I got accepted into medical school and decided I had my life changed along the way by different people who ended up believing in me and removing the labels that I had ultimately put on myself. And I wanted to kind of give that back and help other people, which is why I ended up choosing the field I chose because of the labels they often come with. And so that's what I wanted to do with um, my life. Well, bravo on finding the path. And bariatric surgery is certainly an interesting way to go. And you mentioned in your book, Dr. Hamilton, that you ended up doing a lot of revision surgery. Uh, that's that's a second time around, if you will. Uh, second honeymoon, if you will. Not yeah. quite. On people who had bariatric in some level, uh, the, the, the sleeve, the, the lap band, and it didn't work for them. It was one year, two years, five years later, and they had regained the weight, and it was not a happy, not a happy time for them. And they came back to you for something further, and that's when you came up. Just give us an idea of, to you. What is the mindset? Just briefly, and and then we're going to go to Melanie and ask you something about the mindset of a Secret Service agent. I think we can use this word creatively, mm-hmm. Doctor Hamilton. What what was the mindset that you you honed in on, and you said this is going to help people if we can figure out where their head is on their their weight loss, maintenance, or their journey? What did you think? So the mindset that I noticed that worked the best and where people succeeded the most is the almost like what we now call, some people call iterative mindset or the adaptive mindset. It's actually not the performance, let me set a goal and make a goal mindset, but it's the, if I get into a spot Or if I don't do as well that I want to, let me switch it up. Let me go on a different path and figure out what works for me. So that almost like adaptive, like after I've gotten my surgery or after I've gotten my new lifestyle regimen that I was supposed Mm -hmm. to be on, how well did I adapt? How well did I iterate or change and be able to do that lifestyle and believe most importantly that you're able to do it? The people who believed they could and kind of didn't think of themselves as failures when kind of stuff was rough, but was able to kind of change to something different. Those were the ones that did the best. And that was the mindset needed, I think, in order to be successful in their health journey. 
Very, very interesting. Thank you. And and a lot of things in life, and I won't mention anything specific, people say, it's not in that body part. It's in your head, right? It's exactly. in your brain. By the way, I, I used to host a TV show on Long Island. I was a New Yorker for, well, I grew up there and, and had a TV show on Long Island TV called Something to Talk About. And I was introduced to Al Roker's bariatric surgeon. And mm. she came on my TV show. We did a, a panel. And she brought me two young teenage girl patients for mm-hmm. bariatric surgery, and they came with their moms, and we had a discussion, but they were young, and they had been accepted into the surgery, and it was very interesting to meet her. So that was yeah. I'm not making any name-dropping claim to fame. I don't even remember. You probably know her better than I do. <laughs> but anyway, it was just an interest, an interesting thing. Melanie Lance, let's talk about creativity. Is is there any in being becoming? Let's talk about the becoming journey, becoming a Secret Service agent. You are pretty regimented, aren't, weren't you? Talk to us. Oh. Oh, yes, absolutely. I always say I had to get a little creative with convincing them to hire me at such a young age. So I kind of had this thing in my head. I have no life experience, no military or law enforcement. So what do I have? And I had to dig a little deep there because I really didn't have much. But I knew I was a type A perfectionist who was not a quitter, slightly rebellious, you know, in the structured environment. Like if you told me I couldn't do something, I was just going to make it my lot in life to prove you wrong. <laughs> and so I decided I was trainable. And that was the line I gave them. I don't know anything. Why send me to training if you're not going to teach me? Am I expected to know it already? You know, that was my attitude. And I guess they bought it because they they hired me. But yeah, you're not, you don't get a lot of creativity in the regimented training environment, but protection is totally creative because there are so many little problems you might have to creatively solve that nobody will ever know about, whether it's just how you're going to secure a random door or, you know, just little things like that. There's so much creativity in that security plan all the time. So that was fun for me. Well, I, I'm intrigued by the word mindset with re- relation to you, Melanie, because every time you left an exam, whether it's a written exam, Dr. Hamilton, she had to go through an incredible amount of rigor. I wouldn't say, I don't know if it's on a par with what you had to do to get to be a doctor, because as I say, I have doctors in my family, and I know it's years and years and exams and re-examining and, and licensing and all of that wonderful stuff that makes people <laughs> capable of, of doing that job. But Melanie, every time you left a uh, any kind of an exam, any kind of a training period, any kind of an interview, you said in your book, I knew they wouldn't accept me. They were never going to take me. It wasn't going to happen <laughs> over and over. So your mindset was, I don't know if it was, I'm going to fail, but it was, I'm not going to get in. Can, can you clarify that for yeah. me? I'm, inter- I'm interested to have read that. Yeah, I think, you know what, we we probably all can relate where we get a little yeah. pessimistic sometimes. And I said, well, if I just don't get my hopes up, I won't be disappointed when the rejection letter comes. When in reality, by the time I had researched and that type A in me had like read all the books and all that good stuff, I wanted that job bad, but I was just, just didn't want to get my hopes up. And I'm sure we all have been there at some point or another. I think we all have, and, and there is that sense of protection. Yes, it's yeah. not going to happen. I'm not counting on I'm not going to tell anybody about it. Why would I want people to join me in a pity party or in a failure party, right? It's right. like, yeah, it didn't really matter, and I tried, and it was fun, and so I can over- tell everybody I applied. Didn't have to get in. Still makes for a really good story. Okay. Exactly. Ladies, I think I'd like to take us into uh, – 
the famous birthdays for today. It'll just take a couple minutes, but we like to do this on the show. Just have a little bit of fun with it. So I'll tell you who I have it in the age group of, of the, I think most of them are still alive. I try not to pick people who've passed away, but once in a while they're so famous, I have to. Mel Brooks, I, I'm pretty sure he's gone, but Mel Brooks, actor, director, script writer, famous movies. I think we're all richer for all of the movies that he produced. And yes, and he was married to a very famous actress. Pat Morita, do you remember him? And Wasn't he in The Karate Kid? Pat Morita, I know he's an Asian, actor of Asian descent, and I believe he was in, in The Karate Kid. Mm. Here's an actress you'll all know, Kathy Bates. Can we all say happy birthday to Kathy Bates? One, two, three. Happy Happy birthday, birthday, Kathy Bates. Bates. Yeah, no L's in that one. There you go. Yes, and she's still going strong. I'm not much of a football fan, but the Denver Broncos former quarterback, John Elway Jr., is apparently Mm -hmm. very well known, and he was born today in 1960. John Cusack, Cusack, I think he's Joan's brother, born in 66. And uh, there's a this name caught me caught my attention. 1968, a Puerto Rican Latin pop singer and actor named Cheyenne. He has a very long Spanish name, but C H A Y A N, and he was born today. And that intrigued me because I have a Latin band. I'm a drummer, and I have a band called Red's Hot Mango, <laughs> and I have a Latin singer who's who goes by the name of Tito. He's a doctor. <laughs> he's he's a retired, almost retired uh, family physician, and he still does some pro bono work, I think, for the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. And during the pandemic, he was flown to D.C. to do telehealth for families for 10 days, which was interesting. So he's my singer, conga player, bongos, trumpet, quadra, and a wonderful singer. And we do 15 songs as a band, and he's really cool. So that's why I picked Cheyenne. Happy birthday, Cheyenne's birthday. Mm -hmm. And here's somebody who we all know the name. He's in the news often. He's crazy smart and crazy creative, and it's Elon Musk. Elon Musk was born today in 1971. Engineer, industrial designer, technology entrepreneur, philanthropist, and co-founder and CEO of Tesla and SpaceX. And he just flew some people up there. And his mm-hmm. mother, do you know who his mother is, ladies? Are you familiar with her? No. no. I don't she, know her name is May Musk. I believe it's M-A-E. She is an absolutely fabulously gorgeous model, and she's in her early 70s. Oh, wow. Nice. You have to look up, go Google after the show, May Musk. She is one of the uh, the New York Times. I get the, nobody say anything about my politics. I just get the New York Times because it's easy to read. I get it in the morning on my on my phone, and the ads Franchelle Hamilton, the ads are all for bathing suits right now. You can't get past mm-hmm. the first page. It's, this is the swimsuit for you. And they show big women, they show little women, tall women, short women. And May Musk pops up in one of those, a woman with white hair. She's absolutely just magnificently trim and beautiful. And her picture, if you didn't know who she was, you'd say, what's the lady with the white hair doing in the bathing suit ad? But they have all these models pop up and she's one of them. So, And she was on um, Saturday Night Live when he hosted. She came up and you saw her. Didn't you see Elon Musk on SNL a couple weeks ago? It was, I think, the last show of the season. Go take a look, see if you can find May Musk with yeah. Elon. They did a little, little thing. And also there's a singer named Kelly Pickler. Uh, she's a country singer. She was on American Idol, and the only reason I put her down was because I was vacationing upstate New York, and um, right near where Woodstock was, there's a, a, a famous amphitheater that they do concerts in, and Kelly Pickler was on the lineup opening for, I believe, Brad Paisley. We're probably oh, wow. talking about 35 years ago, and uh, I, I was dating somebody who had a, a timeshare up there in that area, and we went to the amphitheater. I'm trying to think of the uh, Bethel Woods. 
Bethel Woods, New York. And we went to the, the box office and said, what's playing? And they said, well, we've got this country guy named Brad Paisley. And we said, well, I don't know. We've never heard of him. And <laughs> we were disco dancers. <laughs> never heard of him. And we started to walk away. And the guy said, wait a minute. We just got a call. We got tickets in the sixth row. Do you want them? We said, all right, we'll take. So we went to the amphitheater. It's it's hundreds of acres of gorgeous grounds. And we went on, we were under the covering, you know, the lawn chairs. Yeah, you know, the whole deal with an amphitheater. And we're sitting there and everybody knew who Brad Paisley was. <laughs> and they're all singing along about the song about the wine and all that, alcohol. They're doing the whole thing. And I'm saying, well, I'm taking pictures of my phone's running out of space. And before he came on, Kelly Pickler, this mm-hmm. adorable little blonde singer came in, and she wasn't half bad. And mm-hmm. so I saw her perform live as one of the open. I think Taylor Swift might have been there one year, too. I became a big fan of Brad Paisley's. Let's move <laughs> on. I have some famous holidays for both of you, and then we'll get back to our creative conversation. Today is Paul Bunyan Day. Do either one of you know who Paul Bunyan was, ladies? Franchelle Hamilton or Melanie Lentz? Ever heard of him? No. Oh, this is part of American <laughs> lore. He was the hero of lumberjacks in North America. He was known for his power, his pace, his grace, and his skill. And they said he cleared forests from the Northeast to the Pacific Ocean. So wow. look up Yes, nice. look up Paul Bunyan, B-U-N-Y-A-N. And I heard uh, Jimmy, uh, what's his name? Jimmy Dean's song, Big Bad John, on the radio the other day. And it probably could have been something like Paul Bunyan. Anyway, uh, so it's National Tapioca Day. Now, does anybody remember what tapioca tastes like? Yes, delicious. My mom and grandma used to make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I think I still have a box of it. Franchella, are we allowed to eat tapioca because it's got sugar and egg yolks in it I or know. not? <laughs> Come Go on. right ahead. It's tapioca day. <laughs> That's one of the best answers I've ever gotten. Yes. Thank you very much. I love it. I, I will break out the box one of these days, and, and in your honor, I will make some. Uh, let's see. Tuesday, I say, oh, it's Tuesday, tomorrow, June 29th, National Hug Day. Let's all practice mm. hugging. Come on, give yourself mm. a little hug there. That's it. Oh, you're so well behaved. It's <laughs> Almond Butter Crunch Day. Come on, that's got to be off the mindset diet, right, Dr. Hamilton? We're getting better. We're getting closer. Okay. <laughs> it's also National Camera Day. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And it's Waffle Iron Day. Now, it doesn't mean it's Waffle Day. It's just Waffle Iron Day. Oh. So you can get out your Waffle Iron and look at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, you can look at it. There's, there are no calories to looking at your Waffle Iron, right? Okay, there you go. I make waffles once in a while, bisquick, but very, very light, you know, mostly mostly 1% milk, not a lot of, of heavy stuff. Okay, I won't tell you what I put on them, though. Wednesday is International Asteroid Day. I don't think we're going to be hit by an asteroid, but sometimes we think we are. It's National Corvette Day. Either one of you into sports mm-hmm. cars or Corvettes, Dr. Franchelle? Is there a Corvette I'm in into Teslas, actually. Nice. <laughs> well, happy birthday, Elon yep. Musk. Real? Do you have a Tesla? I do. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Tell yeah. us about your Tesla. What is it like to drive? It's better than a sports car, I think. It's much faster than a sports car. So, and where do you where do you get to drive that's that fast? That's what I want to know. Well, you're legally nowhere. <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're broadcasting live, so maybe we better stop right there. And what part of the country do you live in? Don't give me a city. Texas. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the sun shines bright, da, 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 deep in the heart of the fast roads of Texas. Okay, good. Well, we can look for your, yes, you don't have a vanity plate on that Tesla, do you? 
No, no. Good. Don't, don't. It's it's a magnet. Everybody wants to know. Okay. And what about you? Were you into sports cars, Melanie Lentz? Well, actually, my dad was a drag racer, so I grew up kind of learning about some of those old cars. But my mom has a Opal GT. My mom and dad restored one, which are kind of like a mini Corvette. So I'm familiar with those little guys. They're really cool. 1973. They restored it. It's bright red, and they cruise around during the summers. Oh, I, I maybe I have to come and borrow it if it's red. Oh, it's I'm a- pretty. Yes, you would love it. (laughs) I'm a Z owner, but unfortunately, I had a very bad accident about three months ago when I totaled my little white Z with a sparkly paint and the red interior and the red red rag top. And I'm okay. And it was a miracle. I can't even figure out how I'm still here, but I am. And uh, I was looking for a Z and the fates would have it. You know, they talk about law of attraction and putting out energy. And I wanted to have another car right away, even though I wasn't emotionally in the mindset to drive right away. It took me weeks to get back behind the wheel, but I found the car found me. It's a BMW Z4 2019 convertible black top, black leather interior. It's slick and gorgeous, but it's a Z4. I was driving a 370Z mm-hmm. and now I'm in a Z4. So the universe heard Z <laughs> and it got me a Z. There you and go. It, I looked high and low. You can't find them. The new car dealers didn't have any inventory. Yeah. And I drove into a Toyota dealership here in the Raleigh-Durham area. And, he, and the young man, very, uh, shall we say, positioned to sell. He was mm-hmm. out in a little golf cart in the parking lot seeing who drove in. Hi, ma'am. What can I do for you? And I said, mm-hmm. I'm looking for a Z. Takes out his phone. Says, which one do you want? I said, I want a BMW Z4, fairly new. I want an automatic. I want a convertible. He says, oh, we happen to have one two miles away at our Land Rover dealer. I can have it here in 10 minutes. I said, excuse me? <laughs> I, was at, I was at your BMW dealership from the chain yesterday, and they had nothing. No use, no new. They didn't know about it. And he said, oh, it's, it's at our – so he had it there. So I, oh. I wrote a big check, and the next day I went and picked up the car. And <laughs> that was so Anyway, so I, nice. it's a Z. Yes, it is a beautiful yeah. car. I'm learning. You know what? It's a computer on wheels. That's what it is. And there was mm-hmm. so much to learn. It's got the in windshield speed with the little speed limit pops up yeah. and the speed you're doing. And you have to learn to look ahead without looking at, without being, yeah, a lot, a lot of distractions. But anyway, I'm learning to love it. So thank mm-hmm. you for that. So here where we, uh, let's see, Corvette Day. It's also Parchment Day on Wednesday. Does anybody, I use parchment paper when I bake now. Dr. Hamilton, instead of oiling and greasing the pan, Mm -hmm. if I bake, if I dare to bake, I put parchment paper in. Is that a good idea? That's good. That's good. I like parchment paper. I'm getting points here. (laughs) Melanie, do you bake at all? I do. I do like baking cookies. So I probably eat more dough than I should have, but you know, it's a, it's a process. We all do. Do you use parchment paper ever on your pan? I do. Yes, I yeah. do. See, okay. I don't think that's the parchment they had in mind, but that's, I think they're thinking of the, yeah. the constitution and all of yeah. that. And it's also social media day. And here we are on social media. We're on Facebook live and, and voice America radio. So we know about that Thursday, July 1st. I can't believe, I can't believe we're at the midpoint of the oh, year. It is. Could you? Honestly, yeah, no. We, no, we, it's we, by we, so fast. We didn't think we'd live through 2020, and here we're ha- we blinked, and we're halfway through and 2021. Here, we, here yeah. we are. Canada Day, happy to anybody in Canada. It's mm-hmm. also, you're not going to like this, it's International Chicken Wing Day. Oh. What are we going to do about that? Oh, oh she likes no. chicken wings. <laughs> Add some celery and carrots. Oh, <laughs> I, don't, I never eat chicken wings. How do you suggest cooking them so that they're safe for our our uh, mindset of weight loss. What do you suggest? 
I suggest cooking them in coconut flour instead of regular flour, or you can even use almond flour and olive oil. So I actually fry, but that's how you can, you can fry your wings, just switch and use olive oil and the flour needs, can be coconut or it can be um, almond and that makes it significantly healthier. I would like the coconut flour, I think. Melanie, what do you think? I don't know. I've been a vegetarian for about five, six years now, so I haven't had a chicken wing in a, in a, in a hot minute, but really? they smell delicious. I do like the sauces. <laughs> okay, very interesting. I gave up red meat about 40 years ago, but that, I need to give up something else right now. <laughs> That's not, not doing it anymore. We'll leave that one alone. Franchelle, you and I will talk. And it's also International Joke Day on Thursday. Ha, <laughs> ha. <laughs> I used to do stand-up. Now I just try to be a little funny sitting down. Sad story. Okay. Now, oh, that's an old one. Bada-boom. Friday is July 2nd. If you couldn't believe July 1st, you're not going to believe July 2nd. It's National UK Wrong Trousers Day. Have either one of you ever heard of wrong? It, it, it's actually a fundraising day. Can you oh, imagine? No. You're supposed to wear the wackiest bottoms you can find, and it's used somehow as a fundraiser for kids' hospitals and hospices. And they get people Ooh. to wear crazy pants, and then I think they have to donate money to some kind of a national fund. If that isn't crazy enough, it's World UFO Day, Unidentified Flying Objects Day. Do you know there was a report by, I don't know, I don't think it was the Secret Service, it might have been the CIA or the government, we're watching you, one of those, uh, came out in the paper a couple of days ago. Ago, one of the headlines was some pilots, some airplane pilots had reported seeing some things and mm. the reports did not prove that there were any alien objects, but the agency that was writing this report could not rule out that there were not alien somethings flying around up there. Hmm. That's interesting. Interesting. And I was having nice. a crazy day at the time. I read this with a friend and I copied and pasted into a text to her and she said, Oh, I knew something was going on. I thought it was a full moon. It's the aliens now. So there we go. It's the aliens. We're safe. Uh, Let's see now. (laughs) July 3rd, Saturday, is International Plastic Bag Free Day. Do you use plastic bags at the supermarket? Do you bring the reusable bags? Anybody? I do both. I need to do more recyclable bags, but I do do both. Well, I, what about you, Melanie? Recyclable? I used to, when I lived in LA, we had to, because there was a no plastic bag thing in LA. But um, during the pandemic, a lot of places wouldn't let you bring them. They couldn't, you couldn't bring your own reusable bags. Real? Oh, that's yeah. right. Because they felt they were, what, harboring germs or they weren't washed or, hmm. yeah, I, yeah, I remember that. Okay. Yes, I do. I, I let them, I keep a couple in, in the trunk of my car mm-hmm. to bring in the reusable ones. But what I do is I let them bring me the plastic bags and I use them in my recycle bin yeah. with the plat, with the cans and the soda cans, only seltzer, no, no flavored sodas. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be good here, Dr. Mm-hmm. Hamilton. I'm telling you how good I'm trying to be. I'm not really, but I'm just telling you the good parts so and anything that's recyclable i put it into the store plastic bags Mm -hmm. even though i think they tell you they don't want them in the garbage for the recycles the the stores here have a great big box outside the each of the uh, supermarkets for you to recycle their plastic bags i don't know what they do with them but that's it okay so that's flag day plastic bag free day it's national compliment your mirror day Melanie, do you ever tell your mirror how much you love it or you appreciate it? Do you ever? 
No, I think I, I'm getting better at, at that self-love business, but you know, maybe I should compliment my mirror. I should practice what I preach a little more sometimes. <laughs> and how about you, Dr. Hamilton? Do you ever compliment your mirror? Look how beautiful you make me look. What do you think? <laughs> I have not, but uh, I agree with Melanie on this one. <laughs> okay. And it's also fried clam day. I, is there any way to save fried clams to make them less? Do, could you put them no, in? I don't think so. I don't think so either. <laughs> and another one, it's Stay out of the Sunday. Hmm. Interesting. I think that's a good one. Sunday, July 4th, without saying U.S. Independence Day. And Monday, ah, it's National Bikini Day. Ooh. Not in my future. Maybe the two of you. (laughs) That ship has sailed. And it's also National Workaholics Day. Are you a workaholic, Dr. Hamilton? I'm, I have that streak in me, yes. Just just a little bit. <laughs> just a little. Yes, with what you've achieved, I think probably a lot. Melanie Lentz, what about you? When you were with the Secret Service, were you a workaholic? Did they oh, let totally. You? Totally. I have, I have had a longstanding problem with saying yes to work and no to other things I love. So that's something I'm working mm. on as, a, as I uh, move forward with life. <laughs> Ooh, very, very interesting. And what are you doing now? You said you were with the Secret Service for 10 years. What are you doing now? Yeah, I wrote the books and went back to my educational roots. So I uh, work in fitness. I also uh, work for a startup that's a swim coach app called Zygo. So kind of went back to the fitness, uh, fitness end of things. So I'm a virtual swim coach, I guess. There's a headset and wow. all that good stuff. So got my hands in a few little things, but I enjoy it. Very interesting. Yeah. So I think all three of us probably are type A's and workaholics. Oh. Yes. Guilty. I, so. <laughs> I sometimes have to peel myself off of my keyboard at midnight because I'm still in the office where I was like, oh, I think I was, mm-hmm. you know, and then I find myself in here. Uh, when you work for, as a broadcaster, I work from home and I have for many, many years. So I don't travel anywhere. There was no let's move out of the office and into the home office because I was already here. So, yeah. and, and a year ago, a year ago, March, I think, or April, I moved all my radio shows to Zoom. So I get to see my guests, which I couldn't when I did on the phone all those years. Should have thought of it years before that. Ladies, thank you for the chat about the national holidays that nobody ever heard of and most people don't give a you-know-what, but thank you for playing along and the famous birthdays. Let's get down to business here, a little more detail. So Melanie, can you tell some tales out of school about some of your more tellable, maybe famous, infamous adventures as a Secret Service agent? I know we'd love to hear them. Oh yeah. Well, training was full of comedy. You know, speaking of stand-up comedy, I think if I were if I weren't as uh, if I weren't as introverted, I could maybe get up on a stage and just share my stories about screwing up and training with knowing nothing. But uh, I always kind of tell the story about the first time I got punched in the face at a training, <laughs> which I'm sure you read about in the book. I did. Um, I walked into training, and you know, it's just that typical you know kind of drill sergeant s day, and you know the instructor walks by, you know stoically, you know, stomping back and forth, pacing, eyeballing everybody. And he says, you know, they always have that saying, you know, you always have a plan until you get punched in the face. And he said, I'm not so sure everybody in this room has been punched in the face, but I'm going to know exactly how you react after today. Something to that effect, you know, and I knew he looks right at me when he's saying it. So I know, you know, the outlier of the room, the 22 year old and everybody else with cop hair and cargo pants, you know, <laughs> that I, I stuck out a little bit. So mm-hmm. I was, I'm pretty tall. I'm about five, eight, five, nine. And so I got partnered with another male in the class and the other two girls were a little shorter and they, 
they lined us up, partnered us up. We put our little mouthpieces in and handed us the gloves and we had got to punch each other. And, you know, I know now I knew something, didn't know this about myself at the time, but I know that I'm a fighter. I fought back poorly. But when I got punched in the face, I got my bells rang a little bit. They teased me. My long hair flip-flopped with the ponytail, and um, I fought back. But the guy felt so terrible. So when they gave us our next water break, I you know went out into the hallway to get a drink of water. And he came out, and he said, Melanie, I'm so sorry. I've never hit a woman in my life, and I did not want them to make me do it twice. I had to make it count. So bless his little heart. He felt so bad. But, yeah, there was you know there's some things. The Secret Service is such a male-dominated environment. But I had to learn, you know, I had to be able to do all the same things. So he wasn't doing me any favors. But, you know, I now know what it feels like to get punched in the face. And I know I'm, I can be a little scrappy, I guess. <laughs> wow. That's I, I read that in your book. Very interesting. And can you can you name drop a little bit some famous people you've uh, you've been secret servicing for? Yeah, well, you know what's funny is being in Los Angeles, there was never a shortage of protection, whether that was uh, foreign dignitaries coming in to go to Disneyland or Universal Studios, that kind of thing. But a lot of politicians, namely people like Bill Clinton, would come in for the award shows. So I remember one kind of fun night was the year, I think it was 2011 or 13, whatever year the movie Lincoln won the Golden Globe. Bill Clinton came out that year to be a surprise presenter for that award. So nobody knew about it. We had some notice, but it wasn't advertised. He was a surprise presenter for that award. And I got to be one of the agents that got to stand on the red carpet and monitor. You know, you have lookouts, people you're, you know, you're supposed to look for. And so it was kind of crowd scanning with another LAPD officer. And so I got to stand on the red carpet at the Golden Globe, something I never thought I'd be able to do. So you got to see all the names of whoever attended the that Golden Globe Award, uh, the Golden Globes that year. I got to see all those guys. And so that was kind of fun uh, to watch. And then afterwards, uh, Bill Clinton likes to go to the after, you know, Bill Clinton, he's kind of the celebrity guy that comes around and he goes, he went to some of the after parties. So that was kind of a fun experience to be able to see all that. Um, you know, just you think of celebrities as being a little larger than life just so to see them in their, you know, more human element was interesting. So that was kind of fun. Something I didn't know I'd be able to say I did. I bet it was. What does a female Secret Service agent wear? Because we know pretty much what we, right, Dr. Hamilton? We we pretty much can think we can pick out an air yeah. marshal or a Secret Oh, yeah, there we, we see the ear thing and you said the cop yep. cut and, the, and yeah. the gray suit and all. What did you wear? Yeah, you know what? Being a female agent was tricky because you did wear the business suits. You didn't have to wear the tie, mm-hmm. but you had to wear a button-up collared shirt with a you know business suit. But the big thing I noticed, which a lot of people might not think about, is you need freaking belt loops to be in law enforcement and wear a suit. And a lot of women's standard business suits don't have stinking belt loops. And so I remember as a new agent having a hard time finding suits that would be suitable for, or you know, thick belt loops, things that like I got to carry some gear around here. So, you know, a lot of us would have them installed, but I figured out there were a couple brands that had suits that you could wear that had belt loops and you ha- couldn't always, you had to size up because you're wearing a ballistic vest and you got to cover some stuff. So you always felt so bulky and boxy. So it was a cre- definitely some creativity in getting a business suit that didn't make you look like you were, you know, a marshmallow man walking around. 
Thank you. I, I'm not sure why I asked that. I just thought it'd be interesting because we, we think, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, my, my son told me years ago that he could tell, he said, we, we knew who our marshal was sitting. In oh, yeah. Air marshal. He said, <laughs> we, we, we knew which guy it was. And so I took a plane flight about a, uh, six months after that somewhere. And I said, yeah, we knew who ours was too. Yeah. It's just pretty obvious. Dr. Hamilton, let's talk a little bit in the the real guts of what you do. That was not intended as a, a pun or a double <laughs> entendre. I'm sorry about that. But but what what are some of the difficult cases, the challenging cases you've had without getting in? Of course, you're not going to reveal any patient information. But anything you can share with us about somebody who perhaps wanted bariatric surgery for the right reasons and then had to go back and try it again? And how did you creatively get them to understand the mindset component? Talk to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had, I had several patients um, who wanted bariatric surgeries. I've had patients who, um, in particular, that I can remember, and this is kind of why I kind of transitioned over to mindset. She already had a bariatric surgery, and she had really bad kidney disease to the point where the next step would have been dialysis. She had sleep apnea, hypertension, almost all the medical problems that you can think of, right? Because obesity is not just obesity. It comes with all of the diseases and that's what the surgery is supposed to help with. And so I gave her what's considered the Taj Mahal of surgery. It's like, they always say nothing is going to outbeat this surgery. Like this is the most powerful tool. That's what we learn that we have for treating this disease. And so I gave her that particular surgery and she did well for maybe like a year or so accountability helped like haven't seen her pretty often. And then she fell in some of the old habits that she did probably a year and a half, two years in where she had triggers, like bad stuff happened at work and she wanted sugar or she would have a fight with her husband and she would have sugar. And so, and I would really talk to her and she knew why she was doing this, but she almost just couldn't overcome like the stronghold of almost like this addiction. Like a lot of my patients had sugar addictions. Like they couldn't kind of get over that even with the most powerful tool, i.e. surgery. And so it was almost when she started kind of um, going backwards. And after a while, she just decided not to come and see me anymore because every time mm. I'd see her, I'm like, come on, let's get, you know, I try to encourage her. And it's almost like she didn't want to hear it anymore. And within six months, she came back to me. She was 50 pounds heavier and she was getting, got put back on a lot of her blood pressure and stuff medications by her primary doctor. And it was at that point that I was like, I was taught that this most powerful surgery, this most powerful tool was supposed to help her and it didn't. And that was a really low point for me because I felt like I almost like failed her as her doctor because I was told this was supposed to work for her. And then I almost had to wheel myself in and was like, it was the mind, like her mind was so powerful. It was more powerful than my surgery. And that's when I decided I need to like look at this whole disease process and in general, the health journey completely different. Like I've got to take this to a, a completely different angle in order to kind of overcome this. 
So that's, yeah, that's what happened with that. That's dramatic. So how did you, what did it mean when you said we've got to tackle the mind, which you probably knew was a component, but not that almighty powerful. Yeah, because I knew it was a component, but I didn't realize how strong it was. I thought because we are literally rerouting organs or guts, kind of like, you know, we're literally rerouting those changing hormones around that I really thought that people would be forced and they were initially into this new lifestyle. But once they kind of got into it, their, their mind, if it wasn't um, strong enough to kind of overtake either trauma they've had in their past that they've never dealt with or the narrative that they were telling themselves, almost like, I can't do it. I'll never be this. I'll never be that. Listening to what other people were saying. I had a lot of people whose family members were like, oh, you're getting too skinny. You you can't eat what we eat. And almost so much outside noise that they just like crumbled. And so now we focus a lot more on that first, almost like making them mentally stronger identifying any traumatic occurrences they've had as a child or certain things that they're going through now. Like, how are we going to deal with this now and then help move that into surgery? I don't even really do nutrition and exercise routines anymore. I mean, that's like gone. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I mean, that's part of it, but not as strong as this component believe it or not, you fix this mental or mindset component and it'll carry you for the other components, nutrition, exercise, all that stuff. Yeah. Interesting. And and what's the key to getting over when you use the phrase a sugar addiction? How do you break people? Because sugar makes everything taste good. <laughs> it does. Spoonful of sugar makes all kinds of medicine go down, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. So how do you how do you get people Melanie like that? How do you get people off of that? Yeah, you know, how do you get them off of that and, uh those crystals, whether whether it's agave, whether it's honey, whether it's sugar, whether it's uh brown exactly. sugar. Exactly. So some have, stuff, the more natural stuff stuff is better than for you than the other stuff. So we do a lot of like substitutions. So we learn how to do more natural fruits like strawberries and blueberries and, and um, make that you, you can change your taste buds in order to kind of crave that. If you eat that enough, then actually want the sugar. So it's almost like just kind of substituting to where it's still something sweet, but it's more natural. Honey actually is not bad for you. Um, and that is still sweet, but that comes literally from a hive from, you know, so I'm more than happy for my patients to use honey, honey instead of syrup or strawberries and whipped cream on those waffles instead of syrup, for example. It's just all about substitutions. And what about agave, good, bad or not? Agave depend, agave naturally is, is good. Agave okay. naturally is good. It's depend on what they put in it and how it's made, but the natural agave is good. Organic agave is okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Okay. Somebody told me something different. That's why I wanted to ask you. Ladies, we've got about 10 minutes left total and I need about a minute and a half to close. So let's let's talk a little more about creativity. And thank you, uh, Dr. Hamilton. Thank you very much for taking us through the case study. I really appreciate it. And I hope I asked you good questions because I think that's what my my listeners would like to know. So question for both of you. Let's start with Melanie. Creativity in your everyday life. 
How do you apply it? Do you wake up and say, I'm a creative person. Look what I've done with my life. I spent 10 years with the Secret Service. I learned how to get notches on my belt. I learned how to deal with the mail rumor mail and with all the crap and getting punched in the face. And I survived and I got through whatever it was that took me to be a, a groundbreaking young female in the Secret Service. And now I'm in fitness and I'm a remar- remarkable remote uh, swimming coach. Uh, so... Do you wake up and you say, yeah, I have a really creative life. And you would say, I don't know, that's just a word people use. I don't know what it means. So what's your take on the word, Melanie? How do you, do you live creatively? And or am I putting words in your mouth by saying, yes, you're a very creative person. What do you think? No, you know what? I, I like to say that I am a rebel <laughs> and a perfectionist and they are often at war with each other. And the perfectionist in me wakes up and says, you have to be practical, you know, give up your creativity a little bit. You go to work, you do your stuff. But I find I am most myself when I let the rebel kind of, you know, sneak in there because to me, being creative is something I make the rules. I'm creating something, whether I'm writing a book or, or you know, creating a workout for one of my clients, you know, like I own the show and it kind of feels cool to be the rebel and, and create it myself. So I found that for me, I have to sometimes carve out times with kind of conflicting creativities, a writer and a fitness person. And sometimes one can dominate the other. And I found that when I'm not writing, I'm not as happy. And that is something I have to carve out time for regardless of where the day-to-day job gets. So you have to be a rebel and stay up late sometimes so I can write. <laughs> I write late at night. I'm writing a novel. I'm writing a <gasps> yes. an almost thriller. And it'll be a novelette. I'm looking at about 20,000 words. I'm up to about eight, I think now. And I write in spurts. And I can't tell you because I put this on my general Facebook page and people I know more than my radio list might hear about it. And, and it's not going to be taking place in the state I'm in right now. It's going to be in another state. So, and I'm going to use a fake name. Because I don't want anybody to know it's me. <laughs> and, and the disclaimer in the book says, if if any person taste, smell, sound, flower, shoe, car, uh, environment, or house style sounds familiar, it probably is. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I love that. <laughs> that's, that's what the opening is. That's the disclaimer. It's like, yeah, it could be you. Yes. Dr. Hamilton, talk to me about your creativity, uh, your daily life. What is it? I know you you created yourself into a different type of a person from your, shall we say, rocky childhood, teen years into a respected and respectable and very serious medical professional whose mission is to help people in so many ways. And I have great yeah. respect for, for how you recreated your life. But how are you how are you using creativity? Or is it, as I said to Melanie, just a word, ah, I'm creative. Yeah, I don't know. What, what What's your thought on that? Yeah, I actually notice when I am creative, the happier I am. Um, Mm. I actually don't like being in, as a surgeon, you would think like I have to be serious. And in some aspects I do, but I am constantly creating almost to the point where my husband has to like, bring it down, bring it down, like will it in, you know what I'm saying? Cause I'm like, what about this idea and this idea? Because for me, like I'm so passionate about solving the different, multiple different types of problems in healthcare. And so I'm always constantly thinking, how can I help? What can I do? And how can I like, um, create or, um, partake on an audience? Like, how can they get it? Is it through blogging? Is it through video? Is it through my book? Is it through listening? You know what I'm saying? How can they kind of get the message that I want them to get? So, I mean, in private practice, I was constantly creating, like, 
how can my patients relate to what I'm trying to give them, like the education that I'm trying to give them? How can I partner with them? And so on my, in my everyday, it's all about being, having to be able to relate to my patient or another provider or my student or whatever it is in order for us to be on the same level. And even my kids, like how can I get them involved? And so in order to get them involved, it, it takes constant creativity. And I realized when I'm not doing something, whether it's let me write about this topic that I think this person would like or make this dance video or whatever. I do exercise videos with my kids to help moms. We're busy moms. I'm I'm like constantly, how can I help them? And I found like that's almost like the funnest part of my job is to be able to be creative on how to put things together to make it relatable and understandable to the average person. So thank you. I love the yeah. way you use the word funnest. That was a creative word. I like that very much. <laughs> the funnest part. Exactly. It's it's interesting. I, the title of my show is Cool Conversations with Creatives. And as the gentleman who is Ryan Treasure, the VP of Business Operations of Voice America, did the voiceover for me. And he talks about the long list I gave him to read of all the, you know, the artists and the musicians and the the singers and the producers, the directors and the software app developers. And and but I branched out to I never would have said one of the youngest secret service agent females was going to be on a show about creativity, but I invited you and you accepted Melanie Lentz and I thank you. And I never would have said a bariatric surgeon, Dr. Franchelle Hamilton was going to be on my show because she's a creative. So I've expanded it to realize that everybody has that something that they call creative. And as I said at the publicity summit, perhaps when I was on the media panel, when I met you, I said, creativity to me is not on Monday Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I have, uh, I have, let's see, a special K for breakfast. On a Saturday, I switch it up and I have raisin bran. It's like, duh, that, that, that's just changing your diet. That's not creative. So let's just do a little bit. I, I have my notes for the closing. We have four minutes to close. Thank you very much. Everybody say thank you to Josh. One, two, three. Thank, thank you, you, Josh. Josh. Josh got his proper thank you. So we don't, I've been running over a little bit on time. We don't want to do that today. And I have some closing messages, which you probably know. So let's start with you, Dr. Franchelle Hamilton, what would be your advice? And we need a we need a website as well. What would your be your advice to somebody who's sitting in a lifestyle that's not exactly following all the rules? And they said, Yeah, but I think I could be a doctor, a lawyer, a secret mm-hmm. service agent. What what would your quick advice be to somebody like that as far as getting a new mindset and turning their life? I didn't say I won't say around, I'll say in a different, better direction for them. Quick, what's your what would your advice be? I would say stay positive talk positive to yourself. I often tell myself what I can do. And I really, truly feel like as long as you're thinking positive and talking positive, that will manifest into what you end up being able to do. So I like that brief and to the point. What website can people visit to find out more about you and your book, Dr. Hamilton? It's um, So drfhamilton.com. I'm going to spell that D-R- the letter F, Hamilton, H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N, just like the Broadway show, you can't get tickets to, and if yep. you can, you find them, you can't afford them. So it's Dr. <laughs> D-R-F-H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N.com. Melanie Lentz, let's do the same for you. One word of advice, one sentence of advice, and what website should people go to find you? 
Yep. I think that the key to success is not having everything figured out, but you can know who you want to be or the kind of person you want to be. And that is worth protecting. And so your daily life should be furthering you in that direction. And so I've had to figure that out with the Secret Service and that helped me protect myself. And website is www.melanielentz, just my first and last name, M-E-L-A-N-I-E-L-E-N-T-Z.com. You did that so well. I don't have to repeat it. Thank you very much. I, I want to do my closing. And ladies, don't go away. I want to take some pictures when we finish. And thank you again to Josh. And here's my closing. So I end on time. Here are my words of wisdom. And thank you to our, our viewers. Uh, I think we had a couple people on Facebook. I put it on my timeline instead of on my Read My Lips radio page. So it didn't match what I sent in the promo. So you can, I'll send you ladies a link and you can pass it around to your fans. So here we go. Life is short. Break the rules. Yes, Melanie. Yes, Franchelle Hamilton. Break those damn rules. Forgive quickly. Kiss slowly. There is no better way. I'm telling you. I've been there. Love truly. Laugh uncontrollably. (laughs) And never regret anything that made you smile. Hopefully it didn't have sugar on it. And here is my final closing. And I found these in my notes from a radio show in 2014. Work like you don't need the money because most of us still do. But just work like you enjoy it, and you're lucky if you have a job you really love, like I do mine. Dance like no one's watching, and when I was teaching disco and hustle and ballroom back in Eugene, Oregon, on a stage in front of 250 students, they were watching, trust me. Sing like nobody's listening, and I try not to. Love like you've never been hurt, because everybody has, so just get over it and move on. Open your heart, let it grow, let your mindset invite more love in. Money Talks. Chocolate sings, and last but not least, and I stole this line from another radio host, thank you for turning me on. Ladies, wave goodbye. Bye, Facebook. Bye, Voice America. We're going to end on time here. Here we go. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio, presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.